Chapter Seven, Part One of the Condition of the Working Class in England in 1844. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Condition of the Working Class in England in 1844 by Friedrich Engels. Chapter Seven, The Remaining Branches of Industry, Part One. We were compelled to deal with the factory system somewhat at length, as it is an entirely novel creation of the industrial period. We shall be able to treat the other workers the more briefly, because what has been said either of the industrial proletariat in general, or of the factory system in particular, will wholly or in part apply to them. We shall therefore merely have to record how far the factory system has succeeded in forcing its way into each branch of industry, and what other peculiarities these may reveal. The four branches comprised under the Factory Act are engaged in the production of clothing stuffs. We shall do best if we deal next with those workers who receive their materials from these factories, and first of all with the stocking weavers of Nottingham, Derby, and Leicester. Touching these workers, the Children's Employment Commission reports that the long working hours, imposed by low wages, with a sedentary life and the strain upon the eyes involved in the nature of the employment, usually enfeeble the whole frame, and especially the eyes. Work at night is impossible without a very powerful light produced by concentrating the rays of the lamp, making them pass through glass globes, which is most injurious to the sight. At forty years of age nearly all wear spectacles. The children employed at spooling and hemming usually suffer grave injuries to the health and constitution. They work from the sixth, seventh, or eighth year ten to twelve hours daily in small, close rooms. It is not uncommon for them to faint at their work, to become too feeble for the most ordinary household occupation, and so near-sighted as to be obliged to wear glasses during childhood. Many were found by the commissioners to exhibit all the symptoms of a scrofulous constitution, and the manufacturers usually refuse to employ girls who have worked in this way as being too weak. The condition of these children is characterized as, quote, a disgrace to a Christian country, end quote, and the wish expressed for legislative interference. The factory report adds that the stocking weavers are the worst paid workers in Leicester, earning six, or with great effort, seven shillings a week for sixteen to eighteen hours daily work. Formerly they earned twenty to twenty-one shillings, but the introduction of enlarged frames has ruined their business. The great majority still work with old, small, single frames, and compete with difficulty with the progress of machinery. Here, too, every progress is a disadvantage for the workers. Nevertheless, Commissioner Power speaks of the pride of the stocking weavers that they are free, and had no factory bell to measure out the time for their eating, sleeping, and working. Their position today is no better than in 1833, when the Factory Commission made the foregoing statements, the competition of the Saxon stocking weavers, who have scarcely anything to eat, takes care of that. This competition is too strong for the English in nearly all foreign markets, and for the lower qualities of goods even in the English market. It must be a source of rejoicing for the patriotic German stocking weaver that his starvation wages force his English brother to starve too. And verily will he not starve on, proud and happy, for the greater glory of German industry, since the honour of the fatherland demands that his table should be bare, his dish half empty. 
ah it is a noble thing this competition this quote-unquote race of the nations in the morning chronicle another liberal sheet the organ of the bourgeoisie par excellence there were published some letters from a stocking weaver in hinckley describing the condition of his fellow workers among other things he reports fifty families three hundred twenty-one persons who were supported by one hundred and nine frames each frame yielded on an average five and a half shillings each family earned an average of eleven shillings fourpence weekly out of this there was required for house rent frame rent fuel light soap and needles together five shillings tenpence so that there remained for food per head daily one and a half pence and for clothing nothing Quote, no eye says the stocking weaver has seen no ear heard and no heart felt half of the sufferings that these poor people endure End quote beds were wanting either wholly or in part the children ran about ragged and barefoot the men said with tears in their eyes quote, it's a long time since we had any meat we have almost forgotten how it tastes End quote. and finally some of them worked on sunday though public opinion pardons anything else more readily than this and the rattling noise of the frame is audible throughout the neighbourhood but said one of them look at my children and ask no questions my poverty forces me to it i can't and won't hear my children forever crying for bread without trying the last means of winning it honestly last monday i got up at two in the morning and worked to near midnight the other days from six in the morning to between eleven and twelve at night i have had enough of it i shan't kill myself so now i go to bed at ten o'clock and make up the lost time on sundays neither in leicester nottingham nor derby have wages risen since eighteen thirty three and the worst of it is that in leicester the truck system prevails to a great extent as i have mentioned it is therefore not to be wondered at that the weavers of this region take a very active part in all workingmen's movements the more active and effective because the frames are worked chiefly by men in this stocking weavers district the lace industry also has its headquarters in the three counties mentioned there are in all two thousand seven hundred sixty lace frames in use while in all the rest of england there are but seven hundred eighty six the manufacture of lace is greatly complicated by a rigid division of labour and embraces a multitude of branches the yarn is first spooled by girls fourteen years of age and upwards winders then the spools are set up on the frames by boys eight years old and upwards threaders who pass the thread through fine openings of which each machine has an average of one thousand eight hundred and bring it towards its destination then the weaver weaves the lace which comes out of the machine like a broad piece of cloth and is taken apart by very little children who draw out the connecting threads this is called running or drawing lace and the children themselves lace runners the lace is then made ready for sale the winders like the threaders have no specified working time being called upon whenever the spools on a frame are empty and are liable since the weavers work at night to be required at any time in the factory or workroom this irregularity the frequent night work the disorderly way of living consequent upon it engender a multitude of physical and moral ills especially early and unbridled sexual license upon which point all witnesses are unanimous the work is very bad for the eyes and although a permanent injury in the case of the threaders is not universally observable inflammations of the eye 
pain tears and momentary uncertainty of vision during the act of threading are engendered for the winders however it is certain that their work seriously affects the eye and produces besides the frequent inflammations of the cornea many cases of amaurosis and cataract the work of the weavers themselves is very difficult as the frames have constantly been made wider until those now in use are almost all worked by three men in turn each working eight hours and the frame being kept in use the whole twenty-four hence it is that the winders and threaders are so often called upon during the night and must work to prevent the frame from standing idle the filling in of one thousand eight hundred openings with thread occupies three children at least two hours many frames are moved by steam power and the work of men thus superseded and as the children's employment commission's report mentions only lace factories to which the children are summoned it seems to follow either that the work of the weavers has been removed to great factory rooms of late or that steam weaving has become pretty general a forward movement of the factory system in either case most unwholesome of all is the work of the runners who are usually children of seven and even of five and four years old commissioner granger actually found one child of two years old employed at this work following a thread which is to be withdrawn by a needle from an intricate texture is very bad for the eyes especially when as is usually the case the work is continued fourteen to sixteen hours in the least unfavorable case aggravated near-sightedness follows in the worst case which is frequent enough incurable blindness from amaurosis but apart from that the children in consequence of sitting perpetually bent up become feeble narrow-chested and scrofulous from bad digestion disordered functions of the uterus are almost universal among the girls and curvature of the spine also so that quote, all the runners may be recognized from their gait the same consequences for the eyes and the whole constitution are produced by the embroidery of lace medical witnesses are unanimously of the opinion that the health of all children employed in the production of lace suffers seriously that they are pale weak delicate undersized and much less able than other children to resist disease the affections from which they usually suffer are general debility frequent fainting pains in the head sides back and hips palpitation of the heart nausea vomiting and want of appetite curvature of the spine scrofula and consumption the health of the female lace-makers especially is constantly and deeply undermined complaints are universal of anemia difficult childbirth and miscarriage the same subordinate official of the children's employment commission reports further that the children are very often ill-clothed and ragged and receive insufficient food usually only bread and tea often no meat for months together as to their moral condition he reports quote, all the inhabitants of nottingham the police the clergy the manufacturers the working people and the parents of the children are all unanimously of opinion that the present system of labour is a most fruitful source of immorality the threaders chiefly boys and the winders usually girls are called for in the factory at the same time and as their parents cannot know how long they are wanted there they have the finest opportunity to form improper connections and remain together after the close of the work this has contributed in no small degree to the immorality which according to general opinion exists to a terrible extent in nottingham 
apart from this, the quiet of home life and the comfort of the family to which these children and young people belong is wholly sacrificed to this most unnatural state of things. Another branch of lace-making, bobbin lace-work, is carried on in the agricultural shires of Northampton, Oxford, and Bedford, chiefly by children and young persons, who complain universally of bad food and rarely taste meat. The employment itself is most unwholesome. The children work in small, ill-ventilated, damp rooms, sitting always bent over the lace-cushion. To support the body in this wearying position, the girls wear stays with a wooden busk, which at the tender age of most of them, when the bones are still very soft, wholly displace the ribs, and make narrow chests universal. They usually die of consumption after suffering the severest forms of digestive disorders, brought on by sedentary work in a bad atmosphere. They are almost wholly without education, least of all do they receive moral training. They love finery, and in consequence of these two influences, their moral condition is most deplorable, and prostitution almost epidemic among them. This is the price at which society purchases for the fine ladies of the bourgeoisie the pleasure of wearing lace. A reasonable price, truly. Only a few thousand blind working men, some consumptive labourers' daughters, a sickly generation of the vile multitude bequeathing its debility to its equally vile children and children's children. But what does that come to? Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Our English bourgeoisie will lay the report of the government commission aside indifferently, and wives and daughters will deck themselves with lace as before. It is a beautiful thing, the composure of an English bourgeois. A great number of operatives are employed in the cotton-printing establishments of Lancashire, Derbyshire, and the west of Scotland. In no branch of English industry has mechanical ingenuity produced such brilliant results as here, but in no other has it so crushed the workers. The application of engraved cylinders driven by steam-power, and the discovery of a method of printing four to six colours at once with such cylinders, has as completely superseded handwork as did the application of machinery to the spinning and weaving of cotton, and these new arrangements in the printing-works have superseded the hand-workers much more than was the case in the production of the fabrics. One man, with the assistance of one child, now does with a machine the work done formerly by two hundred block-printers. A single machine yields twenty-eight yards of printed cloth per minute. The calico-printers are in a very bad way in consequence. The shires of Lancaster, Derby, and Chester produced, according to a petition of the printers to the House of Commons, in the year 1842, eleven million pieces of printed cotton goods. Of these, one hundred thousand were printed by hand exclusively, nine hundred thousand in part with machinery and in part by hand, and ten million by machinery alone, with four to six colours. As the machinery is chiefly new and undergoes constant improvement, the number of hand-printers is far too great for the available quantity of work, and many of them are therefore starving. The petition puts the number at one quarter of the whole, while the rest are employed but one or two, in the best case three days in the week, and are ill-paid. Leach asserts of one print-work, Deeply Dale near Barry in Lancashire, that the hand-printers did not earn on an average more than five shillings, though he knows that the machine-printers were pretty well paid. The print-works are thus wholly affiliated with the factory system, but without being subject to the legislative restrictions placed upon it. 
they produce an article subject to fashion and have therefore no regular work if they have small orders they work half time if they make a hit with a pattern and business is brisk they work twelve hours perhaps all night in the neighbourhood of my home near manchester there was a print-work that was often lighted when i returned late at night and i have heard that the children were obliged at times to work so long there that they would try to catch a moment's rest and sleep on the stone steps and in the corners of the lobby i have no legal proof of the truth of the statement or i should name the firm the report of the children's employment commission is very cursory upon this subject stating merely that in england at least the children are mostly pretty well clothed and fed relatively according to the wages of the parents that they receive no education whatsoever and are morally on a low plane it is only necessary to remember that these children are subject to the factory system and then referring the reader to what has already been said of that we can pass on of the remaining workers employed in the manufacture of clothing stuffs little remains to be said the bleachers work is very unwholesome obliging them to breathe chlorine a gas injurious to the lungs the work of the dyers is in many cases very healthful since it requires the exertion of the whole body how these workers are paid is little known and this is ground enough for the inference that they do not receive less than the average wages otherwise they would make complaint the fustian cutters who in consequence of the large consumption of cotton velvet are comparatively numerous being estimated at from three thousand to four thousand have suffered very severely indirectly from the influence of the factory system the goods formerly woven with hand looms were not perfectly uniform and required a practised hand in cutting the single rows of threads since power looms have been used the rows run regularly each thread of the weft is exactly parallel with the preceding one and cutting is no longer an art the workers thrown out of employment by the introduction of machinery turned to fustian cutting and forced down wages by their competition the manufacturers discovered that they could employ women and children and the wages sank to the rate paid them while hundreds of men were thrown out of employment the manufacturers found that they could get the work done in the factory itself more cheaply than in the cutter's workroom for which they indirectly paid the rent since this discovery the low upper-story cutter's rooms stand empty in many a cottage or are let for dwellings while the cutter has lost his freedom of choice of his working hours and is brought under the dominion of the factory bell a cutter of perhaps forty-five years of age told me that he could remember a time when he had received eight pence a yard for work for which he now received one pence true he can cut the more regular texture more quickly than the old but he can by no means do twice as much in an hour as formerly so that his wages have sunk to less than a quarter of what they were leach gives a list of wages paid in eighteen twenty seven and in eighteen forty three for various goods from which it appears that articles paid in eighteen twenty seven at the rates of fourpence two and a quarter pence two and three quarter pence and one pence per yard were paid in eighteen forty three at the rate of one and a half pence one pence three-quarter pence and point three seven five pence per yard cutter's wages the average weekly wage according to leach was as follows eighteen twenty seven one pound six shillings sixpence one pound two shillings sixpence one pound one pound six shillings sixpence and for the same goods in eighteen forty three ten shillings sixpence seven shillings sixpence six shillings eightpence ten shillings 
while there are hundreds of workers who cannot find employment even at these last-named rates. Of the hand-weavers of the cotton industry we have already spoken. The other woven fabrics are almost exclusively produced on hand-looms. Here most of the workers have suffered as the weavers have done from the crowding in of competitors displaced by machinery, and are moreover subject like the factory operatives to a severe fine system for bad work. Take, for instance, the silk weavers. Mr. Brocklehurst, one of the largest silk manufacturers in all England, laid before a committee of members of Parliament lists taken from his books, from which it appears that for goods for which he paid wages in 1821 at the rate of thirty shillings, fourteen shillings, three and a half shillings, three quarter shillings, one and a half shillings, ten shillings, he paid in 1839 but nine shillings, seven and a quarter shillings, two and a quarter shillings, point three thirty-three shillings, half a shilling, six and a quarter shillings, while in this case no improvement in the machinery has taken place. But what Mr. Brocklehurst does may very well be taken as a standard for all. From the same list it appears that the average weekly wage of his weavers, after all deductions, was in 1821 sixteen and a half shillings, and in 1831 but six shillings, since that time wages have fallen still further. Goods which brought in fourpence weavers' wages in 1831 bring in but two and a halfpence in 1843, single sarsnets, and a great number of weavers in the country can get work only when they undertake these goods at one and a halfpence to tuppence. Moreover, they are subject to arbitrary deductions from their wages. Every weaver who receives materials is given a card, on which is usually to be read that the work is to be returned at a specified hour of the day, that a weaver who cannot work by reason of illness must make the fact known at the office within three days, or sickness will not be regarded as an excuse, that it will not be regarded as a sufficient excuse if the weaver claims to have been obliged to wait for yarn, that for certain faults in the work, if, for example, more weft threads are found within a given space than are prescribed, not less than half the wages will be deducted, and that if the goods should not be ready at the time specified, one penny will be deducted for every yard returned. The deductions in accordance with these cards are so considerable that, for instance, a man who comes twice a week to Lee in Lancashire to gather up woven goods brings his employer at least fifteen pounds fines every time. He asserts this himself, and he is regarded as one of the most lenient, such things were formerly settled by arbitration, but as the workers were usually dismissed if they insisted upon that, the custom has been almost wholly abandoned, and the manufacturer acts arbitrarily as prosecutor, witness, judge, lawgiver, and executive in one person. And if the workman goes to a justice of the peace, the answer is, quote, When you accepted your card, you entered upon a contract, and you must abide by it, end quote. The case is the same as that of the factory operatives. Besides, the employer obliges the workman to sign a document in which he declares that he agrees to the deductions made. And if a workman rebels, all the manufacturers in the town know at once that he is a man who, as Leach says, quote, resists the lawful order as established by weaver's cards, and moreover has the impudence to doubt the wisdom of those who are, as he ought to know, his superiors in society, end quote naturally the workers are perfectly free the manufacturer does not force them to take his materials and his cards but he says to them what leech translates into plain english with the words quote, 
if you don't like to be frizzled in my frying-pan, you can take a walk into the fire. The silk-weavers of London, and especially of Spitalfields, have lived in periodic distress for a long time, and that they still have no cause to be satisfied with their lot is proved by their taking a most active part in English labour movements in general, and in London ones in particular. The distress prevailing among them gave rise to the fever which broke out in East London, and called forth the Commission for investigating the sanitary condition of the labouring class, but the last report of the London Fever Hospital shows that this disease is still raging. End of chapter 7, part 1